0: hi welcome to the vineyard altoona podcast where we attempt to equip people for kingdom release if you have any questions or just want more information you can visit our website at vineyard or any of our social media platforms at vineyard altoona and now here's derek with the message Well, hey, everybody. Welcome again to Vineyard Altoona. My name is Derek. I'm the co-senior pastor here. And if it's your first time checking out Vineyard Altoona, I'm so glad you've chosen to join us. I hope this is beneficial for you, and I hope to meet you someday. I want to make a couple of announcements before I uh, jump into the message. The first one is we are going to meet in person April 4th, Sunday, April 4th, at the Salvation Army in the basement. That's Easter with uh, you know, with the the infection rates going down and and the vaccines going up, uh, we feel like it's a it's another it's a good time to get together. So if you're comfortable, Sunday, April fourth, that's Easter. Um, we're gonna meet. And so if you want to keep up to date, the thing that Evan just talked about, uh, our texting service, text the word Vineyard V I N E Y A R D to nine four zero zero zero. That'll get you registered for all the updates that we send. We're not going to like blow up your phone or anything like that, but it'll keep you up to date with uh, meeting locations and times and the things like that. So so do that. And also, uh, we're going to have a baptism that day. April 4th, we're going to have a baptism. Listen, if you have not been baptized, following your decision to follow Jesus you need to be baptized in obedience to your Savior, Jesus. And so we're going to be baptizing people that day, and it would be our great honor and our great privilege to baptize you. Um, you can go to our website under the Get Connected tab, vineyardaltuna.org. under Get Connected. At the bottom of that little uh, that sub-menu, it says Register for Events, and there's a button on the next page that, that will say Baptism. You can fill it in, or just send me an email. Let me know. But we would love to baptize you Sunday, April 4th. That's Easter. It's a great day to get baptized, okay? Uh, With that, we're going to go ahead and begin. You know, I want to begin by telling you a story. There was a guy, Charles Brown, who was an American B-17 bomber pilot in World War II. He was 21 years old young guy, 21 years old, when he flew his first mission, just a few days before 1943, and after he went on this bombing run over Bremen, Germany, uh, his bomber came under intense attack that just destroyed the airplane. It left him with one fully functioning engine, a partially functioning engine, one of his crew was killed, everyone else was wounded. And so he was nursing the airplane to try to get it back to English soil uh, to survive. And he flew low over a, a, a base where um, a, 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 a German fighter pilot and ace named Franz Stigler was, was uh, refueling his aircraft. Franz was a, a, a just one kill away from the Germans' highest honor. Uh, and, and at the same time, Franz's brother was killed in the war, so there was revenge Uh, brewing in Franz Stigler. And uh, so he sees this bomber go flying over and he jumps in the airplane to go chase it down to get his kill that would get him his honor. And so he approaches the bomber and Brown is trying to get the airplane uh, back to English soil and, and Stigler flies up behind him and gets him in his sights and puts his finger on the trigger. And then he notices that nobody's shooting at him the tail gunner's not firing, back to try to shoot him down. And so he takes a closer look, and he can see in the bomber that that the crew are are tending to their injuries and their wounds. The tail gunner is dead. And so he chooses not to shoot down Brown's bomber. Instead, he flies over by the wingtip, gets close enough to the wingtip to see the pilot and tries to communicate to the pilot in the bomber. Brown didn't understand what he was doing, but Stigler flew in formation and protected the bomber until it left German airspace. Eventually, Brown landed safely back in England and all except for one survived. It was an amazing act of mercy, a German ace sparing the lives of an American crew in World War II. You know, I think we all love a story like that, don't we? This just great act of mercy. In the passage of Scripture we've been studying for the past few weeks, uh, God calls his people to repentance, and in doing so, he calls them to love mercy. Mercy to love mercy. We're in this series for Lent that we've called Have Mercy on Us. And as I've told you several times, Lent is this season of intentional repentance where we open ourselves up to God and allow him to search us for those things in our lives that don't align with who he's called us to be. And then as he points these places out, we surrender them to him And in repentance, we turn around and we begin to walk toward who he has called us to be. And we've spent a few weeks in Micah chapter 6. And I said uh, a couple weeks ago that Micah chapter 6 is set up like a court case. It's a perfect example of what it looks like when God calls people to repentance. And so the beginning, God brings a case against his people. And then by verse 6, God's people choose to repent. They say, God, what do you want from us? And God gives them the way that he intends for them to respond in repentance. And I'm going to read that to you. It's in verse 8 of Micah chapter 6. It says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Last week we talked about what it means To act justly. If you missed it, you can go catch it on our YouTube channel or our podcast, wherever you consume that content. This week, what I want to talk about is what it means to love mercy. And I'm calling this message, quite simply, Love Mercy. Would you pray with me and then we'll dig in? So Lord, I do welcome you into this time and into this place, God. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me? God, I pray that you would make us recipients of your great love and mercy. God, would you teach us what you intend as we turn in repentance and walk towards who you've called us to be. God, I pray that we would respond rightly. Lord, would you put your words in my mouth, God? Would I speak as I should? Put power on this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God sums up what He wants when people repent, and we talked about this: to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. And as I said the first week, God is not He's at, at not asking for some extravagant, elaborate demonstration. God is asking us to be the people that He called us and created us to be—a people who reflect the true nature of God's rule and reign into the world. So when God calls his people to love mercy, what we should hear and understand in this statement is that God's nature is mercy, that he calls us to reflect his nature into the world. What I hear a lot when I talk to people about the nature of God, one of the most common things is people say, well, God is a God of justice which is certainly true. But while God is a God of justice, God is also a God of mercy. Mercy is in his character. And it's not less than the justice in his character. God is both a God of justice and a God of mercy. The Hebrew word for mercy here is chesed. It's a fun word, right? Chesed. And as is true with many Hebrew words, uh, Chesed conveys a whole range of meanings in English. It may get translated through the Old Testament as mercy or kindness or loving kindness or faithfulness or goodness. In the Bible, chesed is almost exclusively used to describe the nature of how God relates to humans. So when called to repentance... What God calls his people to is to act justly and to love mercy. So as we engage this season of repentance, right? We're in this season of Lent and we're moving intentionally in a posture of repentance, right? We want to be closer to God. As we come to Easter, we want to have surrendered those things so that we can experience Easter anew. So what does it mean... To love mercy, you know, when we talk about mercy, what we generally think about is that someone would not get what they deserve, right? When we think about it, we think about like in in, uh, in terms of like court case, right? So maybe someone was caught stealing, and when they get to the court, uh, the, they stand before the judge and they say, "Judge, have mercy on me, please don't send me to jail." The idea being that the person deserves to go to jail and that the hope is that the judge could have compassion and not give him what he deserves. This is an idea about mercy, right? This is what we think about. And in the Bible, mercy is closely related with the biblical idea of compassion, it's, it's not a thinking concept, but a feeling concept. It's, it's, in fact, when you look at the Greek word for compassion, it literally means to be moved in your guts, to be moved in your bowels. It's not primarily a thinking faculty. It's a feeling faculty. Listen, if you're like me, I'm a thinker. I have a hard time with compassion and mercy. I'm just being honest. I have a hard time. Because I tend to to do everything out of thought. But my wife is primarily a feeler and compassion and mercy are much closer. She can feel it. It's just more natural. But before I continue, I want to make a caution here. Because mercy and compassion come from feeling and they come from empathy and an inner drive, there's a danger in these things. And I want to sort of point out here. There's a danger. It's that mercy can become unhealthy and look like overfunctioning or fusion or codependent relationships, one where we take responsibility for what someone else is responsible for. In other words, compassion that is not emotionally healthy can be dangerous. Healthy compassion is one that looks like understanding that I am a defined individual. And I respect others with healthy boundaries that allow them to be defined individuals as well. And in this context, I then choose to offer help. That's what healthy mercy looks like. But it's so easy because it's driven by feeling and emotion a lot of times. Compassion is frequently feeling and emotion driven. Because that's true, it can get unhealthy real quick. Listen. If you are someone, I'm going to give you a little bit of a commercial, but if you are someone who has found yourself in codependent relationships before, or you have found yourself taking responsibility for things that are not your responsibility, you overfunction for other people, or maybe you have an unhealthy, tight relationship with people, that you're fused, that you're not two individuals, that you've given up yourself. Can I just recommend that you participate in emotionally focused foundations? It's what we used to call Faith Walking 101. We now call it Emotionally Healthy Foundations. Listen, there's one coming up next weekend, Friday and Saturday, March 12th and 13th. If this is you, you should, I mean, everybody should do it. If you haven't heard me talk about this, I don't know where you've been. (laughs) You can come find me and I'll tell you all the stories in the world. But participate in this. This will help you to become healthier. It's 50 bucks, it's online, Friday, Saturday, the 12th and the 13th. You can register from our website, okay? But this will give you the ability, or it will begin to show you places in your life where you are emotionally unhealthy and give you tools to offer these parts of yourself to the Lord that he might transform them, that you could engage in mercy and compassion in a healthy way. Okay, there's the end of the commercial, okay? Okay. Register for Emotionally Focused. I promise you, it will be good for you. So mercy in the Bible is what happens when someone is moved deep within the seat of their being to action, okay? So for example, let's say you are in the grocery line and you see the single mom ahead of you who has a cart full of groceries and four kids hanging off all corners of the cart and she gets to the the checkout and she puts all of her stuff on the, the, the belt and it goes through and she gets the end and she finds out she can't afford it all. And now she's trying to sort through going, well, do I get the, the diapers or do I get the baby food? Do I get, you know, do I get the, the cereal or, you know, do I get the juice? What do I get? And, and you are moved with compassion to help and you buy her groceries. That's biblical mercy. That's biblical mercy. But mercy also has another facet, one of forgiveness. Let me tell you another story. Eric Fitzgerald was a pastor uh, whose wife was about to give birth to their first son, their first child. So much excitement. When, and, and at one point, uh, another driver was driving on the road, fell asleep after a long shift at work, and killed his wife and his child. And, and, of course, you can imagine the emotion that would come from this. And, of course, Eric's whole world has been turned upside down, and the driver has so much guilt and so much shame. And so when it comes time for Eric to pursue justice, to get justice, and he's given the option to give the higher, uh, the higher charge and pursue the highest charge, Eric opts for the lesser charge, to demonstrate forgiveness and love to the driver, then the two become friends. This is biblical mercy. This is biblical mercy. But God's call to people isn't just to do mercy. God's call to people is to love mercy. To love mercy means that we go beyond just doing mercy when it shows up in our face. And in the places that directly impact us, to love mercy means that we actively seek out ways to demonstrate mercy wherever the need is. Listen, to love mercy is to to do mercy extravagantly and generously. One commentary I read put it like this, mercy gives more than justice demands. Mercy gives more than justice demands. Now, we could just end right there, right? That's the end of the message. You have you know, I've said it all, right? We're just going to go and we're going to love mercy and we're going to have a great rest of our Lent season. Except for, doesn't human history tell us that we don't tend to love mercy? Like, isn't that why God, after being merciful to his people, has to call them back to loving mercy? Is that your story? Do you find it difficult to be extravagantly generous? When it comes to mercy? Is that a a thing for you? Can I just be completely transparent with you? Just full disclosure. I, in my life, have struggled for a long time with mercy and compassion. It's something that, over the past eight months or so, God has really been dealing with me when it comes to mercy. So I just want to be honest with you. It's something that I've struggled with, being merciful. And yet, God has been so kind in drawing me into more mercy, but I want to ask, so why don't we do it? Why is it that we struggle and find it hard to love mercy? You know, there's many reasons why we may struggle to love mercy. You know, maybe you're someone who worked really hard to get where you are. And you think, you know, well, everybody else should have to work just as hard as I did. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you worked really hard and so... It's hard for you to allow someone else to get off without working just as hard as you. Or maybe, you know, you're afraid that if you're generous to those in need, you won't have enough of uh, resources for yourself. You know, if you give generously so that someone else can eat, you're afraid you won't be able to. Or maybe, maybe you're afraid to, to help someone because you're afraid they'll take it for granted. You know, begin to just rely on that rather than getting up and doing their own thing. Or or maybe worse, maybe you're afraid that they'll use your help and your assistance for things that you didn't intend. You know, like you're afraid you're going to give someone money to eat and they're going to use it to buy something that you didn't intend, right? I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. And all of these things may be true, right? To one degree or another, maybe all of these things are true. But the Bible says... That the root cause of a lack of mercy is because we've not rightly understood who we are in relationship to God and because we've not received God's mercy or we've forgotten God's mercy. That's what's indicated here. Now, I don't know about you, but apart from the Spirit of God, I would rather please God by doing churchy things right? I don't know. Maybe that's not you, but I would rather study scripture and sing some worship songs and preach a really good message. You know, I'd rather attend church and attend small group. You know, I'd rather be with people, you know, who are just like me in every way, throw a nice big potluck. You know, I'd rather do churchy things to please God. In other words, I'd rather be the kind of person that God is calling out in Micah 6. I'm likely to be that kind of person. You know, I'd be the kind of person who was trying to figure out how many calves and how many rams I needed to sacrifice for God to be happy. I'd be like the Pharisees that Jesus is talking to in Matthew 9 who are being critical of Jesus for hanging out with sinful people. You know, I'd probably be the person that Jesus looks right to when he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. If I'm honest, that's the kind of person I would probably be. Maybe you're holier than me. You know, maybe you don't have that kind of uh, struggle. Maybe you just, you know, you're naturally merciful. But I would guess that there may be places where you relate where maybe mercy doesn't come so naturally for us, where you might identify the things uh, with, uh, with the things that I'm saying. We'd be the kind of people, you know, who would walk past the homeless guy and try not to make eye contact because we'd be late for church. Would that be you? I, probably would be me. If not for the Spirit of God, I know that's the kind of person I would be. What the Bible says about this is that we do it because we haven't rightly understand who understood who we are before God, and we have not received God's mercy. James, the brother of Jesus, in the in, in the book of James says it like this: In James two, he says, "Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown." To anyone who has not been merciful, mercy triumphs over judgment. Listen, if we're more concerned with people getting justice than we are with people getting mercy, it's because we have not understood who we are before God, and we have not received the mercy of God. That's what the Bible teaches us. Let me just share the gospel with you. Here's the deal. Here's the truth of the gospel. Here's the good news. You and I have no business being in any kind of relationship with the creator of the world. We're far too sinful. We're far too broken. We're far too messed up. At every turn, we break relationship with God. And at every turn, we break relationship with other people. Even when we try to fix it, we make a big mess. We all deserve the justice of God. We all deserve what we have coming to us. We are due eternal separation from God. This is a fact that we can't get around. It is a fact that we can't can't fix. The justice of God must be done. And in the Bible, what it says is we all deserve to die. That somebody has to die. But God is not just a God of justice. God is a God of mercy. You see, God loves you and me so much that he couldn't just let us spiral into eternal separation from him. So in in an act of his great mercy, he pursues us. God in Jesus Christ pursued us out of his great compassion for us. God feels compassion for us. And in the cross of Jesus Christ, justice and mercy collided. God's justice was done and his mercy was given, both of them in Jesus. On the cross, Jesus died in my place and in your place to satisfy the justice of God. And on the cross, Jesus died on my behalf and on your behalf to extend to us the mercy of God that we could be in relationship with God. Listen, you and I are so broken and sinful that Jesus had to die. And yet you and I are so loved that Jesus was pleased to die. Until we understand this, that we are the recipients of God's extravagant and generous mercy, we'll never be able to love mercy. We just won't be able to do it. But when we receive and experience God's mercy, we're free to give away what we've received. Friend, that's the offer today, that you would receive God's mercy for you. It's already been appropriated. Jesus has already done everything necessary for you and I to experience God's mercy. Would you open yourself up to God's mercy that He might fill you? Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release His kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.